Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. We are in part two of our series, Got Struggles. And last week we built our foundation for this series of teachings by doing three things, deconstructing false mindsets about struggles, getting you a strategy for your struggles, and helping you reframe your struggles. If you didn't catch that last week, tune in, SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, whatever, you can find the sermon there. But today we're going to be diving into specific struggles. But before we do, I want to do uh, a couple things. First off, let you know this, that we aren't trying to give you a one-size-fits-all answer for your struggles. We understand that struggles, no matter what they are, they're, 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 um, they have different variables that contribute to them. They're complicated. And with all of this, what we are hoping to do is to get you started on your journey towards you overcoming your struggles, whatever they are. Are. Secondly, I think it's important because personally, when, when, uh, when I think about what I have struggled with in the past and the journey that I have been on overcoming different, different struggles, what I have seen is the journey looks something like five steps forward, three steps back, four steps forward, three steps back. As Christians, I think that we can sometimes think that we are just continually on this continual ascent forward, or as Christians would say, from glory to glory. But honestly, if we're serious, most of the time as we're overcoming or dealing with our struggles, it becomes something where we take three steps forward and two steps back. And the reason I say that today is because I sincerely believe that somebody today watching this needs to hear this. Get back up. You've struggled you have failed, you, you, you have consistently tried and you've consistently said, I'm gonna get over this, I'm gonna get better, but you've consistently failed. And what I want to, to tell you today is get back up. You've been knocked down, get up. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says this, after each failure, ask for forgiveness. Pick yourself up and try again. Very often what God first helps us towards is not the virtue itself, but the power of always trying again. And sincerely, whenever you, you, you fail and you get up, what you are doing is you are building that muscle in your life of saying, I'm not gonna stay down. I'm going to get back up. All right, look, today though, I wanna dive into the first struggle. And the first struggle is fear. And I thought this would be the perfect starting topic when, whenever we're talking about specific topics. Why? A couple different reasons why. The pandemic has shown and exposed the root of fear that I believe was beneath the surface in our culture. But through this pan pandemic has really exposed the culture of fear and societal angst that we fear collectively the fear of catching or exposing somebody to the disease, fear of the financial impact, the mental health issues, the fear of how, of, 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 here's the thing, how am I gonna homeschool 
kids, right? The fear of losing the world that we once knew and we're all fearing what is gonna change, right? But I think if we are honest, like I said, this pandemic has only revealed what our culture was already built on and that was a culture of fear. And let me give you a couple of things here, right? We live in a culture of fear, a couple of reasons why. Why we have more information than ever. Like we have more information than ever, right? Uh, Kristen and I, we have what is called the Next Door app. You, you probably have, have that. And on that app, you see everything that's going on in your specific neighborhood. And it has done nothing but scare the heck out of me. Why? Because now you have got people posting ring videos of all the people checking their cars, all the people knocking on their doors, and now you have access and knowledge to everything that's going on in your neighborhood. And now you're consistently, well, what if? What, what if someone, and, and, and it's just like, think about Facebook, Instagram. Like we have access to so, to so much knowledge. And as great as that is, I believe in some ways it's caused us to have a spirit of fear and it paralyzes us. But, but secondly too, we have a culture of fear because think about this. Marketing and consumerism is built on the concept of fear, right? Think about it, right? Whenever you see ads on television, they're trying to get you to think you're missing out and you develop FOMO, right? Or it's like it wants to get you to, to fear. You don't look good enough. Maybe you're not healthy enough. Maybe you're not secure enough in your future. Like we have a culture that is, that is saying and trying to get you to spend money and time on stuff. And the way they get to actually uh, to influence you to do that is by putting in you a spirit of fear, right? I, re- I remember one time, right? We, we did the whole timeshare thing, right? Where you go, you sit through their timeshare talk and they give you $125 gift card. Here, here you go, go home, right? And I remember sitting there and there was this old lady, this old lady, Betty, and she was trying to sell me this timeshare. And I tell her, no, 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 I'd let Be- Betty, you could give me this timeshare. I'm not taking it, right? And then she started to be like, well, do you want your kids to think of their dad as somebody? who didn't provide them with vacations. She was, she was, oh, she was trying to attack me. Like she was trying to get me to fear. Like I wasn't going to be a good dad because I didn't buy a worthless time. If you sell time, if you sell timeshares, we love you. Jesus loves you. But, (laughs) but the thing is, 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 is this. So she resorted to the tactic of what? Fear. We live in a culture of fear, right? But then too, I think the reason why the, this topic is so important is because the number one command, let me ask you this. If you were to say, what is the number one command in scripture that God says for us to do? Some of you probably say, oh, you know, God tells us not to think bad thoughts. God tells us not to say bad words. God tells us not to sleep with people that isn't our husband or wife. You know, it's like God doesn't want us to commit adultery, God does, you know, the 10 command. Okay, you know what? The number one command in scripture given to us from, from God that is said 365 times in scripture. Ready for it? It's fear not. Fear not. The number one command that God gives, 
you and I stated the most times in the Bible is fear not. Because the thing is this, right? I think God knew, God, God knows that one of our core struggles that we will all have is with this spirit of fear. And let me tell you why. In Genesis 3, and if you call Lifehouse home, you know I am consistently going back to, to Genesis 3. Why? Because we've got to know why the world is the way the world is and why we are the way we, we are. And we see a lot of that because of in Genesis 3, where we see Adam and Eve sinning and the relationship between God and people broken because of, because of man and woman's disobedience to God. But check this out. After Adam and Eve disobeyed God, um, Adam and Eve hid from, from God. And scripture says that that God was out trying to find them and God cried out, where are you? And what we actually see here, Genesis chapter three, verse eight through 10, it says this here, it says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid, I was fearful because I was naked, so I hid. Why is this significant? The first emotion and feeling that man felt after a broken relationship with God was fear. Immediately when there was a broken relationship between God and man, the first feeling the Bible mentions is fear. And the truth is this, fear is actually what drives a lot of our decisions in life. It's deep-rooted, unchecked, unexamined, undealt with fear. The truth is fear is a powerful motivator. And I think many of us have no clue how much our fear, your fear right now is driving your decisions on a daily basis because frankly, fear is sneaky. It's so sneaky because it, it wraps itself in camouflage. Let me, but, but, at the, but at the same time, let me give you a couple examples of how fear is sneaky, but I guarantee how fear is influencing you right now. If you fear loneliness, you'll be prone to compromise your convictions. Some of you right now are dating people, love you, are dating people that you know you shouldn't be with, that you know are not, are not good for you, but you are with them, why? Because you're scared to be by yourself. And the thing is, if, if, if you fear being by yourself, you'll be prone to compromise what you know is right. If, if you fear being vulnerable, you'll never experience the power of being in community. If you fear the truth, you'll never find healing. If you fear not having enough, you'll, you will never be generous. I say that all the time. If you fear not having enough, if you fear lack, you will never be be generous towards, towards, towards those you love and God's work. If you fear people who are different from you, you'll never experience God's idea of diversity and unity. Think about it. A core root of racism is fear. If you fear pain, you'll never change. If you fear criticism, you'll never make a difference. If you fear change, you'll become stuck. If you fear conflict, it'll be hard to experience 
intimacy. If you fear challenges, you'll never grow. If you fear people, you'll never fear God. Do you see how fear can just be extremely sneaky and work its way in? And that is why the number one command we see in scripture that God like shouting at us and saying, I'll put this thing in here 365 times is to, is, is to help you remember fear not. But y'all, this is why the gospel, the good news of what Jesus Christ did is such good news for us. Why the good, the, the, the good news of Jesus and coming and living and living a perfect sinless life and dying and, 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 and dying on the cross and for our sins. He didn't just die for us. He died as us. He went to the cross, died and rose three days later. We celebrated that a couple weeks back. He rose and defeated Satan, sin and death. This is why, why? Because, because what Jesus did, he came and restored our relationship with God. That now the barrier keeping us from God's sin was dealt with by Jesus. Adam's sin in the garden was dealt with, the broken relationship. So now we can become one with God. And what does this actually do for us? I love what it says Romans, uh, in Romans 8.15, whenever Paul is, is explaining, to the, to, to, uh, is explaining to, to the church in in. Rome, what Jesus did. He said this here. He said, for you have not received a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of divine adoption as sons by who we cry, Abba, Father. And what Paul is saying here, a byproduct of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of you receiving by grace through faith, what Jesus did did for you is you get injected into your spirit a replacement for that spirit of fear. You get a spirit of sonship and a spirit of adoption that you now become sons and daughters of the living God. And it's saying you don't have to be governed by fear anymore. The fear of God abandoning abandoning you or the fear of God not being enough for you, but that you are sons and daughters of God who sent his spirit into you. And that spirit is what tells you, fear not. God is with you. He is enough that he is for you. The dad loves you. And this is what you have access to church. This is the spirit that you have got complete access to during this time where everyone is freaking out. Everyone is scared. You have access to the spirit of God in you to remind you, dad's got you. You're not by yourself, fear not. But this is what is scaring me. It, it has scared me to just to kind of uh, fear. It not scared me. It's kind of like shocked me some to see the amount of Jesus followers freaking out that, that are showing a spirit of fear. And y'all, I came today to break that spirit of fear because you do not have to walk and I don't care if we're not in the same room, thank God for technology. This can go right through these cameras into your homes, into your living rooms, into your cars, wherever you're watching. I believe today that God wants to break a spirit of fear in your life to where you don't have to be governed or ruled that as a child of God, you, are, you now have a new spirit in you. In 2 Timothy 1, 
7, it says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. And I think it's important to understand here that there is a difference between a spirit and a feeling. There's a difference between a spirit and a feeling. Because let's just be honest, fear is gonna be a feeling that we all feel. It's a part of the fallen, broken world we're in, right? But just because you feel it, just like every other emotion, doesn't mean you have to give into it. And I think the best way that, that I can describe the difference between a feeling and a spirit is this here. Imagine you have a car that is a two-seater and you and fear are the only ones in that car. If you have a spirit of fear, fear is in the driver's seat and you are in the passenger seat being driven wherever fear takes you. But at the same time, if fear is in the passenger seat and you are in the driver's seat, fear, it could be somewhat influencing you. But at the same time, it's not driving you. You might have it with you. You, you might have it beside you, but it's not driving you. And that's what I think you've got to, to truly identify today. Where is fear in your life? Is fear in the driver's seat of your life or is fear possibly in the passenger seat? And, and no matter where you fall on that spectrum, if fear right now is driving you, we wanna get fear out of the driver's seat and, and get it into the passenger seat. If right now in your life, it's in the passenger seat, it's influencing you, we wanna get it out of the car. We wanna kick it out, right? The point is we want to help you today to take a step in your struggle against fear. And the thing is, I wanna give you two things, one spiritual, one practical. We, we said last, last week, the strategy for your struggle includes the practical and the spiritual, not the practical or the spiritual. And so today I wanna to quickly give you one practical and one spiritual tool in your fight against fear. First off, right, practical. Ask and answer this question. Am I feeding my fear or am I feeding my courage? Because typically we'll, people will say something like, feed your faith and starve your fear, which is cool. But the thing is this, just because you have faith doesn't mean you won't have fear. You can have both of those operating at the same time. But what you ultimately need for your faith to prevail is courage. And courage is doing the right God honoring thing in spite of your Fear. The truth is this though, fears can be fed. Fear can start off as a feeling, but fears can become a spirit if it is fed. Right, some of y'all are giving snacks and three course meals to y'all's to, to fear right now. I mean, think about it. Is scrolling on Facebook, watching the news or talking or FaceTiming with certain friends actually feeding your courage and trust in Jesus or is it feeding your fears. Now that, now that doesn't mean you put your head in the ground and you just, you know, you're not aware of what's, of what's going on, but be honest. You know your limit. You know that line when it turns from wisdom to fear. But seriously, what are you feeding? Because there are a lot of people right now just freaking out about the pandemic, about this next election cycle, right? People are like, oh my God, what if Biden's president? What if Trump's president, and then they take whatever fear they have and they combine that with 
whatever radio host, radio station or TV channel or book and boom, you combine those and now your focus has gone from Jesus and the expansion of his kingdom in people's hearts to now you're fearful of what kingdoms men are building on earth. Like, do you think God is really up right now on his throne in heaven, like freaking out about who the next president of this country is gonna be? I, I can't see it. Now, the same time though, that doesn't mean you shouldn't vote. That doesn't mean you shouldn't form an opinion, but at the same time, you shouldn't be fearful. Cause what I've seen is this, when Christians get, get fearful, Christians get hateful. They, they start reacting instead of responding. And what, and what happens whenever Christians do this? Our testimony becomes jaded and our witness gets, gets compromised. See, the truth is this here, a fearful people will never show the world a loving and powerful Jesus. As Christians, we should literally be the most fearless people on the planet. But, but at the same time, fearless doesn't mean foolish, right? It doesn't mean, well, we're gonna have church even though the CDC recommends that we shouldn't meet, blah, blah. It's like, no, we're, we're fearless. No, it doesn't mean that we're, that we're gonna be foolish. But at the same time, it does mean that deep down in our soul, there's a God-given peace that flows from our relationship with our father that then does what? It allows us to be driven by thoughtfulness, wisdom, and ultimately the spirit of God. Fearlessness is what the early Christians were known for. They were a people that actually, they were known as being fearless. There's actually a second century medical writer. His name was Claudius Galenus, who worked under the reign of Marcus Aurelius. And what he would actually do is, is he was a, a, a doctor during the gladiator games. And Christians in the first and second century, they were not really viewed um, very highly. So what, so what they would actually do is take Christians and use them as food in the gladiator games for tigers and lions. And they would take Christians and throw them out there and what Christians would actually do when they got thrown out there, they wouldn't freak out. They wouldn't, what they would actually do is they would actually get down on their hands or excuse me, knees. And they would, and they would go like this. Basically saying, God, I surrender to you. I'm not sure what's gonna, I mean, I know I'm probably gonna get eaten, but it's like, I don't fear nothing. And the second century writer who observed these, these Christians actually wrote about what he saw. He said this here. He said, for fearlessness of death and the hereafter is something we witness in them every day. He was saying, what I see in these Christians being persecuted and thrown before lions and tigers, they're not freaking out. They're basically saying, yep, we might die, but we don't even fear death. Fearlessness, a spirit of boldness and courage is what as a Christ follower, you have been injected with through the spirit of God and the good news of Jesus Christ. Church, why are we freaking out? Right now, you might say, John, look, man, we're not getting thrown to you know, lions and tigers, 
But in some ways, I still feel though Christians are being thrown into the cultural coliseum to be eaten up by popular culture. And really, I think because of that, we have two responses. We can freak out and get mad, get angry and get back, or we can have the same response these earlier Christians did where we say, God, we're not gonna fear nothing, not even death. We're gonna surrender to you and give our lives to you. Here's here's the thing, right? I pray for you and your family as Christ followers that during this pandemic, during this upcoming election cycle, that it would be said about Christians and those that call Lifehouse home, that they are at peace, that they are joyful, that they understand the world is not their final home, yet they speak truth in love, they disagree agreeably, they respect others they disagree with, but they actually pray for those they disagree with, that we would not be governed and led by fear. But to do this, y'all, we gotta feed our courage. You're either gonna feed your fear or feed your courage. Let me give you three things really quick to feed your courage, right? Here's the thing, read God's word, remember God's faithfulness and rendezvous with God's people on Zoom. (laughs) Let me tell you that one more time, right? If you wanna feed your courage, feed your faith and feed your courage, read God's word. Remember the faithfulness of God in the past, because it's God's faithfulness in the past that is fueled to give you faith and courage to move forward and rendezvous with God's people. Have God's people around you and speaking life into you, right? Here's the thing, right? Courage is this here, staying true to your convictions and not compromising even when you fear loneliness. Courage is being willing to be vulnerable even though you fear being hurt. Courage is hearing the hard truth spoken in love though it could be easier to stay in your dysfunction. Courage is stepping out and being generous to God's people in Christ's church even though you fear lack. Courage is stepping out to get to know somebody's story and perspective that is is different than yours. Courage is moving towards change even though you fear pain. Courage is plotting towards the purpose that God has called you to even though you fear criticism. Courage is being willing to change even though you love comfort. Courage is not shying away from conflict when it would be easier to keep the peace and suffer in silence. True courage is, is to have a greater fear of God than any other person. Courage does not mean fear is not there. Courage is saying, I am going to move forward in spite of the feeling of fear that I have because I've been filled with the spirit of God who says, I have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of self-discipline. But, but here's the thing, right? Yes, practically, feed your courage, not your fear. But also too, I wanna get into these spiritual part. And this is where we're going to close because the spiritual part is that God, God will do this if you let him, right? And it's this here, God will replace whatever your fear is of, insert fear, with a fear of himself. It's not that you get rid of fear, you redirect your fear from your situations, your circumstances, your what ifs, and you shift it to God's power, strength, providence, provision, and, pre- and providence. You might say, God, like, okay, so the solution to fear is just to fear God. Yeah, and, but the thing is this though, it's not a like a go and hide fear. 
it's, it's not the same kind of, of fear. It is a reverential fear. It is, it, it is one that inspires you to say, in light of who God is, you have in your very being this sense of awe that you have a God who is all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, all-loving, and that you are in the palm of his hands. It's redirecting your fear. Some of y'all fear people and situations because you don't have a, a, a holy, healthy fear and revelation and reverence for who God is and what God's power is. You know, uh, in Luke 8, there was this, this story about Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus here um, sends, or, or, or basically what he tells his disciples, he says, he says, hey, look, we're gonna go on this trip. And they're like, cool. So they jump in the boat. And verse 22 here, Luke 8, it says this here. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The, the, the disciples went and woke him saying, master, master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples in fear and amazement. They asked each other, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. Do you see what happened here? First off, the disciples feared the storm and then they saw Jesus's power and then they started to fear him. They said, okay, who is this guy who can speak and storms are calmed? They're, their focus shifted, their fear shifted. Their fear went from the storm to Jesus. Their fear of Jesus overdid their fear of the storm. But, but the thing is, they thought Jesus was asleep, but Jesus wasn't asleep. He was there, he was with them. And because he was with them, he was telling them fear not, and actually of these 365 times that I told you about in the Bible, where you see that it says to fear not. I would probably say a third of those times, it says this, fear not, and, and it's God saying it, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. Jesus Jesus, you know, God, Jesus, you know, the Old Testament, New Testament, what it's saying is, look, you fear not, not because it's not scary, but fear not because of who's with you. And honestly, I think so many times we want Jesus to, to deliver us from the storm, but Jesus sometimes walks with us through the storm. Sometimes I think we pray the wrong thing. God, Take this storm from me. But honestly, what God honestly does sometimes is he doesn't always stop the storm like he did in this story. Sometimes he takes our hand and walks with us and says, fear not for I am with you. And that is what I believe today, that, by the, that the spirit of God wants to do in your life today. He wants to take your hand and he wants to say, yo, fear not, I am with you. 
He wants to replace your spirit of fear with the fullness of God's Holy Spirit that gives you power, love, self-discipline, along with the fruits of the Spirit, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. God wants to redirect your fears. He wants to, instead of you fearing the storm and what's going on around you, he wants, to, he wants you to have a fear that you see who God is, how great God is. And instead of fearing the storm, your storm, or, or you switch to who Jesus is and the power that Jesus holds. Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.